وَلَقَدْ And certainly, آتَيْنَاكَ We have given you سَبْعًا سَبْعًا مِنَ الْمَثَانِ From the مَثَانِ وَالْقُرْآنَ الْعَظِيمِ And the great Qur'an. The Prophet ﷺ was sad because the people were not believing. And that feeling of rejection is very, very heavy. So the Prophet ﷺ is comforted with the example of the people of the past. And then he's told, forgive. And then he's also comforted that look at what you have been given. Don't look at what you have not been able to get. Look at what you have already been given. Yes, there were only a few people who believed in him in Mecca. Especially at the early stage. But he's made to look at the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given him. And which blessing is mentioned here? سَبْعًا مِنَ الْمَثَانِي وَالْقُرْآنِ الْعَظِيمِ Whenever you remember your blessings, whenever you think about what you have as opposed to what you've lost, then what happens? It gives you encouragement, gives you hope. Right? It makes you feel that, okay, if I have this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can also give me that. Okay, if I have lost one thing, at least I have this. It makes you grateful. And that feeling of gratitude makes you hopeful, which makes you positive, which helps you move on from your loss. So what is it that has been mentioned over here? Which blessing? Sab'a min al-mathani. Sab'a seven. Min al-mathani. Of the mathani. Mathani is the plural of mathna. And mathna, thanunia, has multiple meanings, depending on which word you extract from the root word. One is... Thinyun. And thinyun means i'ada, repetition, to repeat something. So seven that are repeated. Now obviously this is mentioned along with Al-Qur'an Al-Azim, the great Qur'an. You know, the seven which is repeated has to do you know, something with the Qur'an. So we learn from a hadith also that this refers to the seven verses of Surah Al-Fatiha. Why? Because they are repeated. Over and over and over again. You know, in four raka'ah salah, how many times do you repeat those verses? Four times. Right? Those seven verses, you read them at least four times in your Zuhur salah. Right? So, sab'a min al-mathani. And in one day, just in the fadh prayers, how many times is it that you read these verses? So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Prophet ﷺ to think about Surah Al-Fatiha. Instead of thinking about his problems, he should think about Surah Al-Fatiha. Because Surah Al-Fatiha, what is it? What is it? It's going to be a source of comfort for a person. How? If you look at the meaning, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Reminds you, Allah is perfect and He is the Lord of the worlds. Every creation is under Him. Even those who hurt me and those who harass me. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. He is most merciful. So even if I'm suffering, this is actually His mercy. Even if I'm suffering, this suffering is also a mercy. In this suffering is mercy. Maliki Yawmuddin. I'm not going to suffer here forever. The day of judgment is coming. Iyyaka na'budu wa iyyaka nasta'een. I worship Him. I'm a servant to Him. I'm a slave. And a slave can be given anything by His master. So I accept Allah's decree. وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ And in my difficulty, I seek help from Allah. اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Oh Allah, you show us the right way. In this situation, when I'm being oppressed, when I'm being hurt, what should I do? You guide me. صِرَاطَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ I want to do what? The people before who were righteous, whom you were happy with did. Not those غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَلْضَالِينَ Who earned your anger and who got lost. Who, who became astray. So, in difficulty, whenever you're hurt, whenever you're sad, whenever you're mad, start reading Surah Al-Fatiha you know, with your heart, in your salah. Why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prescribed that in salah we have to read Surah Al-Fatiha? Salah is not valid. A rak'ah is not valid unless a person recites Surah Al-Fatiha. Surah Al-Fatiha is a dua. In it you praise Allah. You seek His help. It is the answer to many of our problems that we face every day. But unfortunately when we stand in salah, we read Surah Al-Fatiha like a parrot, not even knowing what we say. This is a cure. Surah Al-Fatiha is a shifa, isn't it? 
Isn't it as shifa? That you read it seven times and you blow on the place where you're hurting and you pass your hand over. Isn't it as shifa for physical problems? Yes. Then what about your heart? What about your you know, heart that is hurting, that is crying, that feels weak, that feels scared, that feels lonely? Surah Al-Fatiha is a cure, a remedy for the one who is sad and for the one who is suffering. Thanunya also means thana. The word thana also comes from it. And what is thana? Praise. So Surah Al-Fatiha, what is it? Praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you praise Him, when you glorify Him, you remember His kindness, His generosity, then it eases your pain. Also, Thanunya gives the word istithna, which is an exception. Surah Al-Fatiha, a very different surah, exceptional surah, yani very, very unique, you can say. Sab'am min al-mathani, it is so unique. How unique is it? In a hadith which is in Musnad Ahmad, we learn, the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah has not revealed in the Torah, nor in the Injil, any surah that is like the mother of the book, Ummul Kitab, meaning Surah Al-Fatiha. And that is Sab'am min al-mathani. There is no surah like it that was given to any ummah before. It's a unique surah. Unique. It's a gift. Also, Sanunia, Tathniya too. Okay? And this surah we learn from hadith that it is divided into half. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that I have divided the surah between me and my servant. How? That when a person says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Allah responds to him, Hamidani Abdi. Right? Every ayah of the surah, when a servant recites, Allah responds to him. It's a conversation. It's a conversation. Because at the end, when a person asks for hidayah, Allah says, وَلِعَبْدِ ma sa'al," And my servant shall have what he's asking for. You want peace? You want to get over your problems? You want to move on? You want to let go of your grudges? You want your heart to be free? Ask Allah for hidayah. And Allah promises, وَلِعَبْدِ ma sa'al." But when you recite Surah Al-Fatiha, mean it. Mean it. Ask Allah. Don't just read. Ask وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَاكَ سَبْعًا مِّنَ الْمَثَانِي وَالْقُرْآنَ الْعَظِيمِ Also if you think about it, the first meaning that I gave you of سَبْعًا مِّنَ الْمَثَانِي Mathani meaning repeated. Okay, The words of the surah are also repeated quite a lot. How? That for example, according to one opinion, بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ At the beginning is actually part of the surah. It's the first ayah. So in that you have الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Again, again, Ar Rahmanir Rahim. The words are repeated. Likewise, Iyaka na'budu wa Iyaka nasta'in. Same word is repeated. Likewise, Ihdina sirat al mustaqim, sirat al ladina an'amta alim. Sirat is repeated. Alayhim, alayhim is repeated. Right? Al ladina an'amta alayhim. Ghayr al maghdubi. Alayhim In general, they are repeated in the surah. Right? So, the Prophet ﷺ is being told, focus on what you have been given. Enjoy what you have been given. Make use of what you have been given. And you know, when we dwell on our problems, then what happens? We cannot enjoy the blessings that Allah has given to us. We're sad about the fact that someone doesn't love us. But at the same time, there are so many others who love us. Huh? So just because you haven't managed to earn one individual's love, so what? Enjoy your mom's love. Enjoy your dad's love. So what if one brother is not helpful? Alhamdulillah, the other brother is so helpful. Right? So remember that no person in this world is completely deprived. If one blessing has not been given, definitely another has been given. We have our eyes fixed on one thing. And when we're not getting it, we get unhappy. What is it that we need to look at? Everything else that Allah has given. وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَاكَ سَبْعًا مِنَ الْمَثَانِي وَالْقُرْآنَ الْعَظِيمِ 
Another problem is when we feel sad. Why is it that we feel sad? Because we keep comparing ourselves with others. Is it? We compare ourselves with others. I'm 28. My friend is 28. She's married. She has two kids. I'm not even engaged. I'm not even engaged. I mean, I am. Alhamdulillah, I'm married. I have kids. But I'm just saying that this is how we think sometimes. Right? I'm the same age as hers. She's already graduated. And I'm still stuck in my first semester. Huh? Likewise, another individual could say, I'm still driving this car for the past 12 years. And look at the neighbors. <sighs> Competing with the Joneses. Huh? We're always comparing ourselves with others. Our friends, our siblings, co-workers. And what does that do? It makes us sad. We forget the blessings Allah has given us. And we start counting what we don't have. Allah advises the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam la tamuddanna aynayka ila ma matta'na bihi azwajan minhum la tamuddanna do not extend tamuddanna from mad what does mad mean to make something long so don't extend aynayka your eyes extending your eyes can you stretch your eyes no you stretch your vision how That when you look at something from far, from far, you know when something is far, and you're just looking at it, you have to extend your vision. Hmm? And then you're just staring at it for long, admiring, wow. Allah says don't do that. Don't stare at the things that other people have been given. لا تمدن عينيك Don't extend your eyes, your vision, ila towards that which ma bihi, that which we have given as enjoyment. To who? Azwajam minhum. Azwaj, plural of zawj, one of a pair. Over here, azwaj gives the meaning of different groups. Meaning, different groups of people have been given different blessings. One group of people, lots of money. Another group of people, lots of power. Another group of people, you know, lots of loving family members. Another group of people, lots of friends. Don't stare at them. You stare at the rich and you say, wow. You stare at the family man and you say, wow. You stare at the beautiful and you say, wow. And you think, I don't have money, I don't have that many friends, I don't have that much beauty. Don't stare at others. وَلَا تَحْزَنْ عَلَيْهِمْ And do not grieve over them. Do not grieve over them. You see, the wealthy amongst the people of Mecca, they were the people of power, they were the people of influence. And the Prophet ﷺ really wanted that they should accept Islam. Because if they would accept Islam, what would happen? Everybody else would. And if he got their support, imagine how easy things would become if he got their support. And the thing is that they were people of wealth. So if they believed and they supported the mission, imagine how quickly you know Islam could spread. Because what is one of the major challenges that da'wah workers face? Finances. Right? But the Prophet ﷺ was told, don't look at the rich and wealthy thinking that they will support with their money or with their influence. No. Don't expect anything from them. And don't look at them. Don't admire them. It's just mata'a that Allah has given them. Temporary enjoyment. وَلَا تَحْزَنْ عَلَيْهِمْ And don't grieve over them. That you're always sad. That why hasn't this person accepted Islam? And how come that person has not accepted Islam? Don't grieve over them. Forget about them. You think they have value because they are people of wealth and power? No. If they disbelieve, they have no value. لَا تَحْزَنْ عَلَيْهِمْ وَخْفِضْ And again, focus on what you have. وَخْفِضْ And lower. خَفَضَ is to lower. رَفَعَ To raise. خَفَضَ To lower. خَافِضَةُ الرَّافِعَةُ Have you heard that ayah in the Qur'an? That the day of judgment is خَافِضَة It will bring down who? Those who are رَافِعَة Those who are high up. I mean those who are arrogant, the day of judgment is going to humiliate and debase them. So, وَخْفِضْ Lower جَنَاحَكْ Janah is the wing of a bird. The wing of a bird. When you see a wing, what do you think? Is it very hard and rough? No. It's so soft. Right? Comfort. 
And for the babies of a bird, what is that wing? A source of comfort and shelter. Isn't it? So, وَخْفِضْ لَوَرْ جَنَاحَكْ Your wing للمؤمنين for the believers. What does it mean? What does it mean? Pay attention to the believers. Become accommodating. Befriend them. Be close to them. Just like a hen, what does it do? It covers its chicks with its wings. Shelters them, protects them. Keeps her chicks close to herself. So you, O Prophet ﷺ, shelter the believers. Comfort them. Keep them close to yourself. Be nice towards them because you are their leader. Many times it happens that we want to befriend certain individuals. And those individuals, they don't care about us. They don't even look back. They don't even look at you. But at the same time, there are some other people around you whom if you just spoke to, they'd be so happy. If you gave even a little bit of attention to them, you could do so much good to them. So, وَخْفِضْ جَنَاحَكَ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ The believers need your attention. These mushrikeen, the wealthy amongst them, these arrogant people, they don't need your attention. They don't even care about your attention. So don't waste yourself over them. Worry about those who do need your attention. وَخْفِضْ جَنَاحَكَ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ Remember the incident where the Prophet ﷺ was sitting amongst the mushrikeen, the very influential people amongst them, and he was doing da'wah to them. And Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum came, and he couldn't see. And he kept asking the Prophet ﷺ, teach me, teach me. And the Prophet ﷺ got annoyed. And he, عَبَسَ وَتَوَلَّى He frowned and he turned away. And جَاءَهُ الْأَعْمَى And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He disapproved of that action. Right? That the one who's coming to you, eagerly to learn, you're ignoring him? And the one who doesn't care, you're going after him? So, وَخْفِضْ جَنَاحَكَ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَقُلْ And say, meaning proclaim this, make this announcement, that إِنِّي, indeed I, أَنَا I am, النَّذِيرُ الْمُبِينَ A clear warner. Proclaim that I am a clear warner. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he was initially, you know, that he was secretly you know, on a one-on-one basis conveying the message to people. But soon after that, he was told to convey openly, call everybody. So, وَقُلْ إِنِّي أَنَا النَّذِيرُ الْمُبِينَ Say, I am a clear warner. And remember your role. You are a warner. كَمَا Just as أَنزَلْنَا We sent down عَلَى الْمُقْتَسِمِينَ Upon the muqtasim people. Meaning, you are a messenger, a warner, and before you, Many warners were sent. Many prophets were sent. Messages were sent. To who? Muqtasimeen. Muqtasimeen is basically describing the state of the people to whom messengers were sent. And Muqtasimeen, what do you think the root is? Qafseen me. What word comes to your mind? Taqseem, okay. Which means division. Qismah, division. What else? Mustaqim, but that's from a different root. Okay? From Qiyam, Iqama. Qasam, good. And what does Qasam mean? To swear an oath. So Muqtasimin, plural of Muqtasim, basically means, first of all, those who divide, and secondly, those who swear oaths. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the state of the people to whom messengers were sent. That they divided. They became divided. How? Some of them believed, others did not. And even those who believed, they believed in parts and they rejected other parts. They divided up the religion. Like for example, the Yahud and Nasara. The religion was sent, but what did they do? They divided into so many groups. The book was given, but even that, they divided it up into so many sections, you know, without any authority to do that. Secondly, Muqtasim means those who swore oaths. What kind of oaths did they swear? That they would oppose the prophets. They would not believe in them. They were firm about their disbelief. Very firm. Stubborn on it. They had made up their minds that they were not going to respond to the call of the messenger. And they even swore oaths. To the point that, like for example, the people of Salih they swore oaths that they would 
together come and attack the Prophet and kill him. Hmm? And was this happening at the time of Rasulullah wasallam? Of course. Were the people divided concerning him? Yeah. I mean, his message was very clear. Someone was saying he was a magician. Another was saying, oh, he's a madman. Another was saying he's a something else. Another said that a jinn comes to him. They were divided. And at the same time, they were also swearing oaths. We're going to do this to him. We're going to do this to him. We're going to do this to him. But just as the people of the past, when they plotted and planned against their prophets, they failed miserably. Likewise, the Prophet ﷺ is being comforted. That don't worry. No matter how much your people swear to oppose you, no matter how much you know they say things about you, don't worry. Who are those people? Alladina, those who jalu they made al Quran the Quran ilin into ilin, meaning the people to whom the messengers were sent. What did they do? They made the Quran into ilin. The Quran. That was a book given to the Prophet ﷺ. Over here, Qur'an doesn't just refer to the Qur'an, meaning what was given to Rasulullah ﷺ, but Qur'an as in recitation, meaning scripture, revelation. So the revelation that was sent earlier, what did the people do to it? They turned it into ilin. Ilin is a plural of ridah. And ridah is a part of something, a portion of something. From the same root is the word udu. And udu is used for a limb. Because a limb is a part of your body. It's a portion of your body. So they turned, they made the revelation into portions. They divided it. One portion they believed in, another portion they rejected. And this was the behavior of which people in particular? The people of the book. أَفَتُؤْمِنُونَ بِبَعْضِ الْكِتَابِ وَتَكْفُرُونَ بِبَعْضِ So الَّذِينَ جَعْلُوا الْقُرْآنَ عِضِينَ there's another meaning of this ayah. And that is that the word ilin, it means magic. It means sihr. Because the Quraysh, they used to call magic al-adah. Adah. Ain, dad, ha. Adah. Adah was sihr. They would call a magician adiha. Adiha. Okay? So, الَّذِينَ جَعْلُوا الْقُرْآنَ عِضِينَ Meaning those who said that the recitation, the message that the Prophet brought was all magic. Musa salam, when he went to Fir'aun, what did Fir'aun say to him? What did he call him? A magician. Right? Isa salam, when he showed the miracle to Bani Israel, what did they call him? A magician. Muhammad wasallam, when he came before the people and recited the Qur'an, what was he called? What was he called? A magician. So, this is the norm of those who reject. Those who don't want to accept, what do they do? They call the Qur'an, the revelation magic. They give it different labels. Why? So that people don't give importance to it. Allah says, فَوَرَبِّكَ By your Lord لَنَسْأَلَنَّهُمْ أَجْمَعِينَ Surely we are definitely going to question them all. Who? Those who called the scripture magic. Those who rejected and opposed the messengers. Who were firm in their opposition to the messengers. Allah is definitely going to question them. The sins of these people are not forgotten. عَمَّا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ About that which they used to do. فَاصْدَعْ So O Prophet ﷺ declare إِصْدَعْ صَادَّ الْعَيْنِ إِصْدَعْ It's basically from Sadr. And Sadr means to split. To split. Have you heard of the word Sudar? Sudar. Have you heard of it? What is it? Headache. Have you heard of the expression a splitting headache? Hmm? Meaning such a severe headache that it's almost splitting my head. Because a headache, I mean, where is it? You know, sometimes you feel like your head is hurting. And you touch your forehead and you press it or somebody's trying to press your head, give it a massage and you're like, no, the pain is somewhere else. Where is it? Somewhere inside. So it's literally, you know, like breaking your head. So sadr is to break, to make a hole in something which is solid. To break something which is solid, make a hole through it. And from this, you know, when 
a piercing headache, like a pain, it pierces, you know, from one side and you can feel it coming out the other or reaching the other end. So from one part to the other. So you understand, to go from one part to the other, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how difficult it is, you keep going, you keep doing, you keep conveying. So فَصْدَعْ meaning proclaim your message despite the difficulty that you face. Despite the many barriers and many obstacles and many hurdles that your opponents have placed for you. You have to convey. You know when you're trying to do something, sometimes it's very easy. But at other times, you really have to dig your way through. You have to dig your way through. Someone's not allowing you, you have to negotiate with them. Then you have to force your way somewhere else. And then you have to force your way elsewhere. You dig your way through in order to get your work done. And nothing in life is easy. You know, a person when they want to start a business, for example, they're told by someone, oh, no way you can do this. It's not possible. It's not going to work. And then they do it anyway. And then what happens? There's competition. And then nobody's selling anything to them. And then nobody's buying. Do they give up? No, they are persistent. They keep going, they keep going, they keep going. Until eventually their business is flourishing. Nothing in life is easy. When you want a degree, how many assignments do you have to submit? How many exams do you have to take? Why do you have to do that? Because life is difficult. So likewise, conveying the message, it is difficult. There are many hurdles, many obstacles, but fasdar. Go forcefully, just go do it. Bima tu'mar, with that which you have been commanded. And turn away from the mushrikeen. Meaning, don't give any importance to them. Those who oppose you, don't listen to them. They try to discourage you, ignore them. They make fun of you, they mock at you. Ignore them. Just focus on what you have to do. فَصْدَعْ بِمَا تُؤْمَرْ Because the fact is that people can never be happy. And if you start satisfying people, then you'll never accomplish your goals. You know like that story of that father and son who were going on a donkey. The father was riding it and the son was you know, leading the donkey. And then people said, Oh, what a mean father. He's riding the donkey and his son has to walk. So they said, Okay, so what should we do? The father said, I'll come down. You sit on the donkey. So now the son is riding the donkey. And now the people said, Oh, look at this arrogant son. He's sitting on the donkey and the father is walking. So then they said, You know what? Never mind. Nobody will ride. We'll just walk. So both of them are walking. People said, How dumb. They have a donkey and they're not using it. So then they're like, You know what? We'll just carry the donkey. So the father is you know, carrying the donkey from one side and the son is carrying it from the other. Were people satisfied? No. So if you start paying attention to what people have to say, she said this and he said this and she said that, you're never going to get anywhere. Ignore what people say and fasda' Focus on what you have to do. You know like when a hole is being dug in the ground or on the wall or something, there's a lot of force that is required. A lot of force and a lot of determination. So like this, sometimes you have to drill your way through you have to drill your way through. فَصْدَعْ بِمَا تُؤْمَرْ وَأَعْرِضْ عَنِ الْمُشْرِكِينَ إِنَّا كَفَيْنَاكَ الْمُسْتَهْزِئِينَ Indeed, we will suffice you against those who mock at you. People make fun of you? No worries. Allah will take care of that situation. Allah will take care of that problem. And it happens many times. You're doing the right thing. But people, if they've got nothing else to say, what will they do? They will just make fun of you. So if you start paying attention to their mockery, you won't do anything. But it saddens you. Of course, you're a human being. Your heart is not made of steel. So the Prophet ﷺ is comforted. Don't worry. Allah will take care of the people who are mocking at you. He will punish them. Urwa ibn Zubayr, he said that, one of the other scholars, he said that Jibreel came to the Messenger of Allah ﷺ when he was performing tawaf around the house. Okay? And... Dibreel stood and the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, he was also standing over there. And one of the opponents of the Prophet ﷺ, Al-Aswad ibn Al-Muttalib, and he used to really make fun of the Prophet ﷺ, he passed by. And he threw a leaf, meaning Jibreel, he threw a leaf in the face of this man. And this man, he became blind, he lost his eyesight. Al-Aswad ibn Abd Yahus passed by, another opponent, someone who used to mock at him. 
And Jibreel pointed to his stomach. And the stomach of that man, it swelled up. And that man died soon after. Al-Walid bin Mughira passed by. And Jibreel pointed at a wound that was on the ankle of this man. And this wound, it got so severe that this man also died soon after. So basically all of these opponents, as they were walking by, Jibreel pointed did, you know, in front of the Prophet ﷺ. And all of these men, they died soon after. Allah says, إِنَّا كَفَيْنَاكَ الْمُسْتَهْزِئِينَ Don't worry about them. Those who make fun of you, they will die miserable deaths. And if you think about it, Abu Lahab, a great opponent. Abu Jahl, a great opponent. What was their outcome? You know. You know about that. And generally in life also, when you come across people who mock at others, what happens to them eventually? What happens to them? They are degraded in the eyes of people. When they're mocking at others, yes, people will laugh. But eventually, who has value? Those who mock? No. They don't have any value. الَّذِينَ يَجْعَلُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرٌ Those who make with Allah إِلَهًا آخَرٌ Meaning, another God. Those who set up partners with Allah. فَسَوْفَ يَعْلَمُونَ Soon they will know that what they're doing is wrong. وَلَقَدْ نَعْلَمُ So beautiful. Allah says, certainly we know أَنَّكَ That indeed you يَضِيقُ It becomes tight. Sadruka, your chest, bima yakulun, because of what they say. Meaning, we know that you feel uncomfortable because of what these people say to you. We know you feel hurt. We know you feel anxious over what the people say to you. And it's only natural that when somebody says something hurtful to you, okay, you tell yourself, I'm going to forgive them, I'm not going to pay any attention to what they say. But you are hurt. You are hurt. Allah says, وَلَقَدْ نَعْلَمُ I know. Allah knows about how you feel because of what people say about you. In other words, Allah is comforting the Prophet ﷺ. Don't worry. Allah knows and He will take care of you. And He will deal with those who hurt you. But you... What do you have to do? Focus on your mission. Keep conveying. And you have to فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكْ وَكُمْ مِنَ السَّاجِدِينَ Do tasbih with the hamd of your Lord and become of those who prostrate. You want to comfort your heart? You want to ease the pain? You want to ease the pain which is in your heart? You know, somebody may have hurt you 20 years ago, but still you feel the effects. It happens. Somebody may have hurt you 10 years ago, 5 days ago, but you cannot seem to move on. It hurts. You tell yourself, I forgive them, but still it hurts. So what is it that we can do to wash off those wounds, to get over those pains? What's the solution? Do tasbih. فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ Do tasbih with the hamd of your Lord. وَكُمْ مِنَ السَّاجِدِينَ And do sajda. Prostrate. Pray. This is the solution that the Prophet ﷺ was given to deal with. What? Pain. Which kind of pain? In the heart. And every person experiences sadness, some level of depression at some point in their lives. You know, that feeling of that I've been betrayed, that you cannot trust other people, you have been deceived, whatever it may be. How do you fix your heart? What's the remedy? What's the solution that the maker of the heart is telling us? Sabbih bihamdi rabbik. Do tasbih. Glorify your Lord. Do dhikr. Remember your Lord. And do sajda. Prostrate before Him. Throw your problems. Let them out before Him. And this is the real solution. What do we do? We go to other people. Or we just cry. Or we pity ourselves. That's natural. But don't forget to fix the problem. Don't forget to seek the right treatment. And that is tasbih. Prophet ﷺ, how much tasbih he would do? You know that? How many times would he say subhanallah? Or some dhikr that had these words, subhanallah. 
Think about the salah. Just the salah. Five times a day. When you say Allahu Akbar, what do you say? Subhanakallahumma. Wa bihamdik. Right? Another dhikr is Allahu Akbar kabira. Walhamdulillahi kathira. Wa subhanallahi bukratan wa asila. Then there's recitation of the Quran. Then into ruku'. In ruku'. What is it that the Prophet would say? Subhana Rabbiya al-Azim. Subhana Dil Jabarut wal Malakut wal Kibriyai wal Azama. Subuhun Kudusun Rabbul Malaikati wal Ruh. On getting up, Samir Allahu liman hamida. Rabbana lakal hamd. Hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fee. Tasbih over there also. Hamd over there also. In sujood, what would he say? Subhan Rabbiyal. A'la, and more tasbihat. Right? And in the tashahud, there's so much dhikr of Allah. At-tahiyyatu lillahi wa-salawatu wa-tayyibat. Because the thing is that this life is difficult. Where we have physical issues, we also have a lot of emotional issues. Because we're human beings, right? We have a heart. We have a heart. And this heart it gets hurt. It becomes sick. And if this is not fixed, if this is not helped, the rest of the body will also go down. In the winter, when your skin becomes dry, what do you do? What do you do? You put something on it. Right? So likewise, there are also winters that come over your heart. And it needs something. It needs something. Not a television show. Not a trip to the movies. Not a trip to a restaurant. This is what? A distraction. The pain is still going to be there. How is it that you comfort your heart? That you bring it to rest? How? Turn to its maker. Glorify Him. Do His tasbih. Praise Him. Remember Him. Because Allah bidhikrillahi tatma'innu al-qulub. It is with the remembrance of Allah that the hearts find rest. Otherwise, they are not at ease. The heart is not at ease unless it remembers Allah. You can never comfort your heart. You can never ever cure your heart except with the dhikr of Allah. Because we were created for whose worship? Allah's worship. And what is the main thing about us? The heart. So this needs to submit before Allah. And then it will be happy then it will be happy and it will let you live life and enjoy life. And when we keep turning towards others, whether it's you know a person or money or anything else, we cannot be happy. فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَكُمْ مِنَ السَّاجِدِينَ وَعْبُدْ رَبَّكَ And worship your Lord حَتَّى until يَأْتِيَكَ الْيَقِينَ الْيَقِينَ comes to you. Worship your Lord Continue to worship Him until Al-Yaqeen comes. What is Yaqeen? Certainty. What is the most certain thing in life? Death. It is the most certain thing in life. Death. Health is not certain. Sickness is not certain. Wealth is not certain. But death is certain. Every person who is living knows that one day he will die. Right? So, وَعْبُدْ رَبَّكَ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَكَ الْيَقِينَ means worship your Lord until you die. Don't think that, okay, this Ramadan was really good, so I'm good for the year. No, no, no. You have to worship until you die. Until you die. Until your last moments. Don't think that, yes, I have done my hajj, so I'm good. Or that I have completed the recitation of the Qur'an, so I am fine. No. وَعْبُدْ رَبَّكَ Worship your Lord. Keep worshiping Him from one Act of worship to another, to another, to another. It never ends. حَتَّى يَأْتِيَكَ الْيَقِينَ In the Qur'an, in Surah Al-Muddathir, Ayah 43-48, it is mentioned about the people of hellfire, that they will say, وَلَمْ نَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُصَلِّينَ وَلَمْ نَكُمْ نُطْعِمُ الْمِسْكِينَ وَكُنَّا نَخُوضُ مَعَ الْخَائِضِينَ وَكُنَّا نُكَذِّبُ بِيَوْمِ الدِّينَ حَتَّى أَتَانَ الْيَقِينَ Until Yaqeen came to us. And Yaqeen over there also means death. So yaqeen over here does not mean that until you are certain, until you have conviction of faith. Because some people might say, oh, I am convinced that this faith is true. So that means I don't have to pray anymore. 
I don't have to fast anymore. No. It means the exact opposite. Keep praying, keep worshipping until you die. Until you die. Until your very last moments. Until your last breath basically. Worship your Lord. And we see that shaitan, he becomes very very active at the time when a person is dying. He comes and he tries to lead a person astray even at that time. Even in those moments. This is why the Prophet ﷺ used to seek refuge against the fitna of death. In every salah. وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ فِتْنَةِ الْمَسِيحِ الدَّجَّالِ وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ فِتْنَةِ الْمَحْيَى وَالْمَمَاتِ What is the fitna of death? That at the time of death, shaitan gets the better of me. He tells me to do something wrong and I listen to him. So, وَعْبُدْ رَبَّكَ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَكَ الْيَقِينَ No one is saved until and unless they worship Allah till the very end. And this also shows to us that, you know like if a doctor says, this medication you have to take for the rest of your life. What does it mean? You cannot survive that medication, but what does that mean? That this illness, it's become part of your life now. It's a part of your life now. So when Allah is telling us to worship, do His tasbih, until death, what does it mean? That throughout our lives, we're going to be facing trials, we're going to be facing problems. There will never be a stage in life where you can say, I am happy. I am happy. No, even people who say, I am happy, deep down, there's something that's bothering them. Because this is life, and in life we will be tested. One test after the other. So yes, you get over one emotional storm, but another will begin very soon. So every time, what's the remedy? What's the solution? Ibadah, tasbih, hamd. In Surah Yusuf, we did the dua that Yusuf makes, and in that dua, he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to raise him as a Muslim. So even he is praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that when he dies, he will die as yes. one of the Muslims. Make me die when I am a Muslim. I have submitted to you. And that cannot happen unless a person constantly you know, turns to Allah every time that he is in need. Yes. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, a friend of mine was telling me that a friend of hers lives in a building and somebody who's a new revert phoned her and said like, you know, I'm very ill, can you come? And when she went there, she realized that this lady was dying. So she started to prompt her to read the, you know, the declaration of faith and she was prompting and then this lady said, should I say what you're saying or the person behind you is saying? She said that she looked back because she thought somebody had walked in. And then she said, I was so scared because probably, you know, some shaitan was prompting something else to her. So we all have to make a dua that we, we die upon faith. You know, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, at the time of his death, when he was, you know, in that state where people knew that he's going to die anytime, he kept saying, Ba'd, Ba'd. Later, there's still time, meaning, I mean, there's still time, there's still time. So, after some time, he regained some consciousness, he was feeling better. And uh, his son asked him that, why were you saying, Bard, Bard? And he said that, Shaitan appeared to me, and he said to me, that you are slipping from my hands. You're slipping from my hands, meaning I'm losing you. You've managed to survive, basically. So, Ahmad ibn Hanbal, he said that, no, there's still time. Meaning, until I'm breathing, you can still lead me astray. So don't try to lead me astray right now. I know exactly what you're doing. This is a trick of yours. I was just thinking how um, in track meets, and especially in cross-country meets, especially when you see the finish line, they tell you to plow through it as much as you can. Regardless of how tired you are in cross-country fields, they're really, really long. But they tell you the second you see the finish line, you should run as fast as you can. So you know, as soon as you have the faith, and now that you've seen it, you should push through it as much as you can. Please. Yes. I was thinking about the tasbih. Whenever we feel sad, it's good to do tasbih. For me, when I feel sad or something happened to me, I like to go look in a tree or if it's snowing, it's snow, and whatever Allah creates. So that reminds me of Allah and that's cool my heart. So looking at Allah's creation. Yes, very true. That when you're sad, when you're hurt, when you're feeling down, uh, doing tasbih is very, very helpful. It really lifts up your spirit. And... You know, when you look at something 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created, everything is created by Allah. But when you go outside and look at the mountains and the trees and the beautiful clouds, just those images, you know, they comfort your heart. They really bring you comfort. And that makes you say, subhanallah, you know, from your heart, and that will ease your pain. Ibn Taymiyyah, when he was very old, he used to be teaching so much that one of his students asked him that, you know, you're so aged and how come you're able to do so much of work? He said that from Fajr up till 11 a.m. he would do dhikr and he said this is what gives me the strength to, you know, continue. Yes. Early morning from Fajr all the way to late morning, just before Dhuhr, he would be engaged in dhikr constantly because he said, I cannot survive without this. I cannot survive without this. And we unfortunately don't make time for dhikr. But the more a person remembers Allah, the more at ease he is. So whenever you notice that you're being very irritable and very on the edge and ready to begin a fight with someone because you're agitated, and many women go through these emotional roller coasters, right? Ups and downs. Start doing dhikr. Do dhikr. Remember Allah in the morning, in the evening, after every salah, and that will help you calm down. It will help you calm down. Dhikr is like a stress reliever. Really it is. It's a stress reliever. And women need it a lot. Because we have many things in our lives that can make us very stressful. In these verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a, like a direct path how to live our life. We're being told that whatever it is that we have to focus on, be it our studies, our job, our, our family, and even our deen, we have to focus on it completely, regardless of what other people say. There's a lot of people who are made fun of because they're studying so hard throughout their university years. They're told, you know what, enjoy your life. You only have this little time left. There's people who are working and, you know, something important's coming up. They're either a new business or whatever it is. People are told, okay, you know what, take your time. You're still young. You still have time to go. So everyone, like people are made fun of no matter what they try to focus on, no matter what they try to do. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that regardless of what it is that your focus is, you need to ignore the comments and the words of the people around you. You need to, like, over here, fasda. You know, focus on it, proclaim it, just focus on it. And even if you are hurt doing whatever it is that you're doing, then turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, make this be, and you'll definitely be able to fulfill your task and go through it. Yes. Jazakila khair for a beautiful summary. So basically, rise above the criticism of people, the mockery of people, the insults of people, rise above that. Don't care about it, don't listen to it, don't give importance to it. And focus on what you have to do, and get your strength from where? From worship. From worship. You know when you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example, salah. What is that basically? Training yourself to be focused. Right? Because you have to focus your limbs, your movements, as well as your thoughts, your vision. I mean, everything is focused. Right? It's a very, very necessary training that we need in order to be successful in life, no matter what we're doing. Did you want to say something? Um, so right now, um, you know, Amna was just saying how we have to rise above the mockery of people. And we just learned in these verses that Allah will take care of those who mock at others. And I recently um, came across an article online. And we all know about the airless challenge that has been going on for about a while now. But this one was a little bit different. And it involved a 15-year-old autistic kid. And basically, this a couple of teenagers gained his trust and, you know, pushed him sort of to do the ALS challenge, but instead of a bucket full of ice water, this is disgusting, but a bucket full of urine and feces was dumped over him. And, you know, it's subhanAllah, Allah has, you know, created means for us in which we can rise above this. So we can't imagine what the community felt, but it went to the point where it was publicized and it actually went viral. And now, you know, different news channels were broadcasting this. So... It was almost like a source of rescue for what had happened to him. Um, I was reading a quote about how when Salah is performed properly, it's not only an exercise for the body, but also for the heart. So because Salah has so much dhikr in it, that it's an exercise for the heart. It's an exercise of the heart. It's a training of the soul. Recitation. وَإِن كَانَ أَصْحَابُ الْأَيْكَةِ لَظَالِمِينَ فَانْتَقَمْنَا مِنْهُمْ وَإِنَّهُمَا لَبِإِمَامٍ 